welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. In this podcast, we'll be having discussions around the secrets which attract lasting, healthy, fulfilling relationships, creating a healthy mindset, and what women should know and understand about men. Introducing your host, Lynn Smith, the Queen of Hearts, relationship expert, trainer, speaker, and best-selling author of the Cupid's Bow Technique. Lynn's mission is to have a positive impact in reducing divorce, domestic violence, and suicide. Welcome to the Hearts Entwined podcast. This is your host, Lynn Smith. And today, listeners, I've got a really exciting couple of guests. Their names are Eric and Alexandra Wright. They're authors. And you know me by now. I sometimes like to have disruptive guests, controversial guests, divisive guests. And I think you'll find that these are definitely under that umbrella. So welcome, Eric. Hi, thank you. Nice to meet you. I guess I'm controversial in a way. <laughs> I'll take that. I've been called worse, put it that way. <laughs> what, what I think is going to be the main topic within this particular conversation is that we're going to be discussing, you know, something that may or may not positively impact your relationship. And I know that you and Alexandra have had this particular thing positively impact your relationship and this is what we're going to be talking about today so can you give us a little bit of background Eric before we get stuck into the heart of the matter sure sure absolutely and by the way Alexandra is uh, coming back from a kickboxing class so she (laughs) should be here shortly Uh, she probably thinks of me when she uh, when she does that class but um, uh, so no I mean just for reference, I am not uh, an author. We, we did write this book called Higher Connections uh, that came out in July. Uh, I am a, a public accountant here in the United States. But about two years ago, during the heart of COVID, you know, we had three kids, we had jobs, things were going a little crazy. Um, I started using cannabis uh, here in the United States. Um, Previously, I had been into liquor and alcohol and beer and wine and all that other fun stuff. But, you know, I, I wanted to try something different. Uh, our lives are very stressful uh, during the pandemic. The kids home at school, uh, from school, us home from work. And I started having some interesting thoughts and experiences that were happening to me when I was, when I was high on cannabis. Um, and, you know, eventually uh, my wife, uh, Alexandra suggested writing them down uh, and documenting them. And you know, at some point it turned into, you know, the book that, that was released. The, the heart of the message of the book is that, um, you know, my experiences with cannabis has helped my relationship with Alexandra and my family. Um, as she describes in the book, uh, through who, her little blurbs, and when she gets here, she can certainly expand on them. Um, you know, we were in a rough spot. We, uh, we were not getting along well. We were fighting, arguing. Um, and a lot of that was just general life stresses, work, kids, etc. Some of that was because of my historical uh, actions, which, you know, in some part were caused by alcohol, in some part caused by some other things. But once I turned to cannabis, um, I was seemingly able to understand what she was feeling um, much better than I previously ever could when I was high. Um, I equated in the book to similar to, you know, an empath, someone that can kind of sense how 
uh, others are feeling by looking at them. However, in these cases, uh, I was not looking at her or anyone else I was around. These were just senses and feelings that I was having that at some point I realized were not my own. And in the book, we go through, you know, like 10 or 12 examples in, in I think chapter four or five, where I lay out kind of what happened, what my feelings were, and why we both thought that they were different from how I normally would have felt when I was sober. And, you know, the result of that was just me being able to understand her much better than I ever did, whether I wanted to or not, you know, I can understand what she was feeling, what she was thinking in certain moments and essentially get into her brain, which is a wild and crazy place. Um, and that's kind of the central message of the book. We, you know, I go and we go into what we think might be happening when I have these downloads or connections, as I call them to other people, uh, what I might be connecting to uh, why that might be happening. Uh, and then we go into, or I go into some other crazy concepts like simulation theory and souls and third eyes and all that fun stuff. But essentially at the heart of the book, it's really just a message of, you know, cannabis helped me and helped us. We are certainly not saying it's for everybody and it would have the same result for everybody. Um, but for us, it worked. And, you know, I think what we wanted to do was tell our, our story and share our experiences and the benefits of what we've gone through for others and see if it could potentially help them. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that my audience knows that I'm, I'm quite open-minded and I'm biased and, and do my best to be not judgmental when it comes to, you know, things that I wouldn't necessarily be interested in engaging in. And, and this is probably something that wouldn't interest me personally, but I'm always open to sort of explore it in terms of, having conversations with other people and at least, you know, offering it out there um, to, to people who might want to explore it further who are members of my audience. So, you know, I know that obviously for some parts of the world, um, cannabis isn't legal for a start, so there would be a barrier there. So what would you say to somebody that would be wanting to explore this but haven't, hasn't got the sort of legal access to it? Yeah, it's a tough question. And, you know, in the book, we go into why cannabis was made illegal here in the U.S. Um, back in the early 20th century, it was essentially xenophobia uh, because of Mexicans coming to the country, uh, bringing marijuana uh, uh, at the time with them. And people that were here, you know, because of their hatred for Mexicans, determined that cannabis was or should be made illegal. It was an evil drug. And so it ended up uh, being made illegal in the, I think the 1930s and, and again in the 1960s. And it's still a Schedule One drug in a similar uh, realm of, of cocaine or heroin or LSD. Um, there really was never any reason for it medically to be considered a dangerous or evil or gateway drug. There's really no proof of that. I know plenty of people that have done marijuana and cannabis for years and years and years with no negative side effects, but it is a challenge. And you know, in other parts of the world, um, I don't have an answer for how, how people would be able to experience this other than, you know, if, if you do happen to be somewhere where marijuana is legal or you're able to access it and try it out. And, and what I always suggest is, you know, <clears throat> to document what your thoughts and feelings are when you are high and see how they're different from how you normally think. And one thing that Alexandra and I did at some point was we watched her favorite movie 
a pretty woman. Um, and, you know, we kind of sat there and I hate that, but we just, I'm not a fan of pretty woman, but I know a lot of people are. And we just kind of sat there and, you know, she loves that movie. And when she had something she laughed at or was crying at, you know, I was having a very similar reaction to her. And that, that was kind of the way we said, wow, you know, this is something weird that normally I would not, not ever express any emotion uh, when watching a movie, especially one like Pretty Woman. But that's how we kind of said, look, if you want to try this, watch a favorite movie of someone that you're with and see if your emotions and your feelings and thoughts are different than you normally would be when you're sober. But again, not everyone has that access. And it's, it's something, you know, when you look at what just happened with uh, Brittany uh, Greyer, uh, the, uh, the women's basketball player in Russia who got uh, arrested for mar- marijuana possession and she was sentenced to, to whatever, but she just got released. I mean, there are these policies around the world that just don't make sense. And uh, hopefully at some point it'll change. And I think as more people like myself and others come out and say, yeah, look, I'm, I'm a professional. I have a full-time career, but I consume cannabis and I consume marijuana and I'm fine. I'm not moving on to harder drugs and I can still function as a normal adult that more people will accept it. And, and you know, hopefully it gets legalized both in the U.S. and, and around the world. Yeah. Uh, well, who knows? <laughs> who knows? But when right. you think about what is out there that's potentially damaging to our health, such as alcohol, for example, um, cigarettes that are readily available, it makes you wonder, you know, why there is that uh, hurdle when it comes to this particular, I don't know whether you'd call it a drug or a plant. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in, in the book, I think in chapter three, you know, I list those exact things, you know, cigarettes, alcohol, fatty foods, sugars. I mean, you think about probably the thing that's going to cause all of us cancer at some point is, is plastic and platelets. I think that's the way it's called platelets, but, you know, essentially little bits of plastic that are in our blood at this point. Um, and when you look at all those things and the statistics around the number of deaths and the number of cases of heart disease or cancer, or diabetes caused by all these things that are perfectly fine um, and acceptable in society. When you look at cannabis, there really is no proof that it's any more dangerous than any of those. Um, there are you know, plenty of benefits that are being researched right now around pain relief and, and you know, when people have cancer, about giving uh, cannabis to them to control their nausea. So there are benefits to the plant that I think need to be explored, and, but because of the federal illegality of it, there's not a ton of research that can be done. There are private uh, organizations and universities that can do some research around it, and, and some of that is being done, but the reality is I think there's a lot more about the plant that needs to be explored in terms of the impact to our bodies and our brains and, and how it might change how we perceive consciousness. Um, and so, you know, again, some of that in the book and, you know, it's, it's hard changing conceptions and minds and perceptions about marijuana or cannabis because people have been hearing about it for so long that you know, for, for them to change their mind about it, it's difficult. But again, I think as more people, come out and say, I do it. Um, I, I really am hoping that it, it won't be viewed any different than caffeine, for example, that you know, 20 years ago, everyone was hearing it's, uh, it's bad for you. <laughs> right? and, yeah, that's true. That's um, another thing, isn't it? Caffeine is another one yeah. that uh, yeah. is considered harmful. Um, obviously, based on, I suppose, what you consider to be somebody's personal use regarding any of these products, really. 
yeah, Alexander drinks 18 cups of coffee a day, <laughs> you know, and, and years ago it was, oh, well, it's bad for you, but maybe it's good for you, but maybe it's bad for you. But, you know, people accepted it and they consumed it and it, it was never really a, a question about whether it should be made illegal or not. So I, I think at some point cannabis will be viewed in the same way uh, today. It, it's getting there. I think as in the United States, more states are making it legal. Uh, for both rec and, and medical use, and I think that trend will continue. In terms of your own general health, though, it's sort of playing devil's advocate, Eric. Um, why do you feel you need something that is considered, I suppose, um, harmful to your health? Um, well, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that I need it. I think it, it's a way for me to relax and unwind after a long week. Um, again, I used to use alcohol and I think you, you see more and more studies coming out that says, well, any amount of alcohol is not good. Alcohol is a poison. Um, it, it initially makes you feel good and then it makes you feel really bad. With cannabis, you know, if I do it one or two times a week, I, I, it makes me feel relaxed. And, uh, you know, I talk in the book about it really helps me control kind of the background noise or the elevator music in my brain, which is essentially just, you know, things that are always there that I'm worried about or concerned about. Usually it's work <laughs> for others. It might be, you know, money or family or friends or whatever, but it, it turns that off and allows me just to focus on myself and, and focus on those around me. And that's where a lot of these connections and experiences that I've documented happen. And I enjoy it. And if there is some risk to it, I will accept that risk. Although I don't think there's a very a large risk with it at this point. But again, everything in moderation, whether it's fatty foods or fried foods or sugar or alcohol or cigarettes, everything needs to be consumed in moderation. And, you know, I go to the doctor, I work out, um, I'm healthy as far as I'm aware. So if, if consuming cannabis a couple of times a week uh, is what my vices, then I am okay with that. Okay, so thank you so, for sharing, you know, your your own personal story. And, um, you know, that's, that's a very brave thing to do, especially as it is considered, as I say, <laughs> in yeah. some parts of the world, including where I am, <laughs> an illegal substance. But um, what I'm also interested in knowing, because I, I want to, as I say, come, up, come at this in, in, in an unbiased, non-judgmental way, is um, what was, I mean, you, you did touch on it a little bit, but what was damaging your relationship previously that's now sort of improved? Wow, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I think there were, you know, Alexandra and I have been together for, for a long time, uh, about 20 years at this point. Um, you know, as any relationship, there were ups and downs. There were uh, things that happened um, that, were more of a result of me being young and stupid and drinking alcohol that, you know, I, I made mistakes. And so, you know, when you look at kind of where we were 10 years ago versus now, uh, or even two or three years ago versus now, um, I, I think the resentment on her end for you know, some of my actions in the past has eased a little bit. And I'm not saying that's directly because of of my use of cannabis, but you know, any relationship, there are going to be issues that come up that cause resentment. And there was a lot of that. 
uh, on both of our ends. Um, and, you know, the, the actions on my part were something that I regret. And, you know, we, we've talked about it and we've tried to move past that. But, you know, when we got to the pandemic, there was just stresses all over the place. There's many couples and, and uh, you know, husbands and wives with young kids and families can attest to. It was, it was a very stressful time. Uh, being stuck in the house, not knowing what was going to happen with work and school and everything else going on, um, it, it just got, it got worse. And, you know, she talked about in the book, she, she was ready to contact the lawyer. Uh, I think she did contact the lawyer to, to start a separation process. And, you know, we were very close to separating um, three young kids. And, you know, we were trying to make it work for them and stay together for them. But uh, it got to the point where it wasn't working. And, um, you know, I, I changed up my behavior. And I, like I said, I gave up alcohol completely and switched to cannabis. But again, that may not be for everyone. And it's not necessarily a solution that's going to work for everyone. I think everyone has to find what works for them to help, um, help you know, control their stress levels and their anxieties and fears. But it worked for me. That's all I can say. And, and again, I hope that, you know, if the book does anything, it, it makes people more aware that it might be something that people want to try. And if it doesn't help, then that's okay. I'm not suggesting again, it would help everyone, but it, it did work for us. And, you know, we'll see, there's no guarantee we're going to stay together forever. Nothing is guaranteed in life, uh, but we're trying. And, um, you know, we're proud of this book and proud of the message that it, that it, that it talks to. Excellent. So, um, um, as I say, thank you very much for sharing that and um, being open and vulnerable and courageous in, in sharing what you've shared. So you've actually been completely sober from an alcohol point of view since you started this then. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I gave up alcohol about a year and a half ago. <laughs> I figured 20 years uh, was enough uh, drinking for me. But yeah, I haven't had a drink in about a year and a half. I don't miss the hangovers for the record. <laughs> and was that sort of binge drinking or, or was that sort of daily, you know, a need? Yeah. I mean, that, for, for my career, you know, it involves a lot of going out and, you know, networking events and happy hours. And, and, and that was a lot. Um, so it was more, you know, going out to events, coming home drunk because I probably hadn't eaten much and, and it just, it, it always turned into fighting and accusations and resentment. And she hated, um, when I came home drunk, she, she hated it. Um, and, and now I know that. And, you know, again, when I'm high, she, she likes me <laughs> <laughs> because I am more communicative and vulnerable and I want to talk to her and be her friend. Um, and that's something that she talks to that we're friends again. And that did not happen for a long, long time uh, while I was drinking. And again, I'm not saying that the drinking caused that. There were other things that were going on in both yeah. our lives. But the drinking didn't help. For sure. No, definitely. I can obviously appreciate that. So what was our initial reaction, though, to you sort of, um, did you sort of, um, instantly pack up alcohol as soon as you started the cannabis or was there a sort of gap period between one to the other or how did that transition happen? Yeah. I mean, again, being home from COVID there, there wasn't any networking events or happy hours to go to. And again, because I never really drank at home. Um, I, I had cannabis at home. Uh, so I just started using that. And 
you know, initially when I started talking to her about my thoughts and experiences, you know, she didn't really know what to make of them. It was, it was kind of, all right, you know, he's bringing up these funny, interesting concepts, uh, but she didn't really know what to make of them. Um, and it wasn't until one night, um, probably, you know, four or five months into the pandemic where I had taken by accident uh, more uh, edibles than I thought. Uh, and I ended up having a very interesting kind of out-of-body experience where I was very emotional. Um, I said sorry to her uh, for everything that I had put her through and I told her I loved her. And it, it felt like to both of us that there was a significant amount of negative energy that left my body that day. And I succinctly remember kind of floating above my body outside. We were sitting outside kind of talking. And, um, you know, at that point she said, look, whatever you're going through, start, start writing it down, start documenting what you're thinking, what you're experiencing and kind of see where it goes. And, um, this is kind of where it's gone. So, you know, she initially was skeptical of what I was going through and what I was talking about. But I think at some point you realize, all right, something's happening that's different from uh, anything that he's ever experienced. And, you know, she started working with me and, and trying to understand, you know, when we had a connection or where I was able to feel what she was feeling, could that be a coincidence? Um, could it just be, you know, we said the same thing at the same time, or I felt the same thing that she did at the same time. But eventually it was like, all right, this is happening way too many times for it to be a coincidence every single time. Um, and, and so eventually she's like, all right, something's happening. Let me help you try to figure out what it was. And, and that's kind of what we talk about in the book. So initially, did, um, did your wife, Alexandra, have some resistance to you changing from alcohol to cannabis? And was, like you say, skeptical about whether that would be a positive transition or not? Um, yeah, I think she was more like, what is going on here? <laughs> why, did he, why did he stop drinking? And, and why is he, you know, doing cannabis? Um, you know, again, I think it was more just trying to understand what I was going through. You know, was this something that she should have been worried about because I was doing cannabis versus alcohol? She, she did a little bit of cannabis, um, but not too much. She, she has started doing more of it um, over the past year or so. But again, I think it was initially like, what is happening <laughs> and can, can we figure out how this is going to end up? I think on the night of the out of body experience, she was worried she was going to take me to the hospital because she had never seen anything like that, but <laughs> uh, I did not have to go to the hospital. Um, but I, you know, eventually it was, I think the skepticism went away pretty quickly because it was more, all right, let, let's try to figure out, you know, what you're, what you're experiencing and what you're thinking and, you know, make it something positive. And, um, for our relationship again, because I was talking to her more and expressing my feelings more, I think it quickly turned into a positive thing for her. And again, I, I keep repeating this, but it doesn't mean this is going to happen for everybody. It happened for us and mm. it was a good thing for us, but it doesn't mean that if someone else consumes cannabis, they're going to be all of a sudden, you know, uh, improving their relationships. I think you still have to work hard at doing that and making sure it's consistent. And when you're not on cannabis, you can still talk to each other which we did <laughs> further up. So do you think for you then, what, what sort of switch was being able to be more um, communicative, I should say, um, without sort of being aggressive, you know, more, more calm? 
Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And a lot of that, again, goes back to kind of the, the elevator music, which again is just something that, you know, when you, when you're in the shower under a warm, nice warm showers, there's something that you just kind of put out of your mind. And the shower, I think in the book, again, I, I equate being high to being in a nice, beautiful, warm shower where you're just not thinking about a thing. Just you're looking inwards towards yourself, focusing on, you know, whatever is good in your life. That's what cannabis does for me. It helps turn off any stresses, any worries that I have. Just for a couple of hours, it's better than nothing. <laughs> and mm-hmm. that that's kind of what... Um, what it does for me and it's been a, a big help uh, for others uh, it may not do that it may make them sleepy she takes cannabis she is out and and what we equated that to is her mind is always racing during the day when she's sober her mind is, is very very active her mind's always spinning and when she takes cannabis it, it kind of turns it off and she's able again just to kind of relax watch tv not worry about the kids not worry about the house kind of be herself and she loves it well, that's another thing i suppose is um you know how do you manage this around your kids are they aware of it um not at the moment and and by the way she's she's here so i think she's going to join us here in a second um yeah i mean they're not really aware of it i think they're more aware of us getting along better and, and just kind of being friends again. And I think for them, you know, there are still moments where we fight and we don't get along, but I think for the most part, um, you know, they see us getting along better, which is, which is a big help. So, you know, for them, I think the subject, they're, they're still young and, and concept of marijuana, I think is not something we're quite ready to, to introduce them to. Um, at some point we, we will. And, you know, we know they're going to go up to high school and go to college and be exposed to it. So we want them to be aware of, um, you know, our experiences and what, um, what we've been through. So we'll, we'll see. Uh, not, not quite there yet. So uh, Alexander is here. Can you hear us? Yes, I can. Can you hear me? Yep. Hi. Hear yep. Hi. Hi, Alexandra. Uh, yeah. Nice to meet you. Sorry, I joined the party late. <laughs> no worries. No, I'm, I'm, happy to uh, have you manage to get on the actual episode because I'm interested in hearing your point of view as regards you know what change did you see in your relationship once Eric basically became sober from the alcohol and 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 found you know um, this different concept of trying cannabis and that changing things for you both yeah, I it, I talk about this all the. Can you guys hear me? Sorry, like a little. Uh, yeah. Okay. Good. Um, I love to talk about this because it, it was a drastic, much better um, change. Are <laughs> you making fun of me? I just got here. You're already laughing at me. Two seconds in. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah, it was a, a drastic change, I'd say, and it, sometimes it feels like it was overnight. I felt it was easier to talk to him which helps the flow of communication, which obviously is extremely important um, in any relationship, but especially so when you're trying to manage three kids, a household, demanding careers and whatnot. And that, I think that was the beginning of it, right? So from better communication turns better, I guess, family moments, turns into a, a more connected friendship, which just kind of helps everything else. 
So I, I absolutely love it. Did you have any, you know, in all honesty, hand and heart moment? Um, did you have any skepticism initially? <laughs> yes, the first time I think I really noticed it. He, um, is it okay to talk about the outer body experience? Yeah. Out of body. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I spoke to it, but I want to hear your perspective. Yeah, so um, at first when he first started this, I, did, I didn't take it necessarily very seriously. I was happy that he was lighter, not as tense, and just able to, to spend time with us and really be present, right? Because there are times where before that, where both of us, you could tell that we were somewhere else. Even though we were there, we were thinking about and he didn't um in this particular moment he he wasn't like that he was just laughing and the kids were laughing we were having a really good time <laughs> and then I noticed he was high and um at, like I said at first I started laughing and then I started to think oh shit oh my god something's wrong with him I'm gonna have to take him to the hospital who's gonna take care of the kids and then he started to have the out-of-body experience and uh, at, like I said at first I was laughing the whole time because this is not something I was ever really used to or had seen from him. And I was just cracking up. I was like, oh, God, what am I going to do with him? He's all high. But <laughs> it, uh, that was the, the first time that I really realized what was going on with him and how it started to change him on a, a physical level, emotional level, spiritual level, if, if you want to go down that path, because he started to, I guess, I don't know if you have reliving different moments during that episode and you were saying how much you love me and how you want this to work and those are not things I had really heard from him in that kind of a way before so, so that, I think that was what I yeah, Eric mentioned earlier that you know you, you'd almost got to the point where you were going to go through the separation process prior to yeah. this happening yeah, yeah, we were. It was at the point where I can honestly say we were both, um, uh, I mean, honestly, borderline miserable. It just was not working. I felt extremely overwhelmed. I felt like the demands of the household were all on me, the demands of the children on top of my career. And I didn't feel like I had a supportive partner and we did try to communicate. We did try different things, but it just wasn't, it wasn't working. We couldn't get through to each other. So even though you was going through that process, there must have been still that underlying love for him. Oh, always. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, I 100% agree with that. I'll always, no matter what, whatever. I mean, we don't know what happens 5, 10, 20 years from now, but I, I know I will always love him very, very much. He's the father of my three kids. We've been together almost 20 years. I've known him. I mean, I feel like I've grown up with him. I've been with him. I was 20 years old. So she yeah. looks the same, by the way. <laughs> not right oh, now. But... <laughs> I him, not right now. <laughs> but generally speaking, yeah. And I think that's really uh what I guess I held on to for for a long a long time and the, the hope that if we could get back to a, a good place and, and really become a, a better family unit for for ourselves and for the children. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for sharing your honesty and um, being very open about, you know, how that's impacted your relationship, both negatively previously and positively as you are now. Um, for the benefit of the audience, if they wanted to connect with you, what would be your best contact information? Um, our email address, higherconnectionsnow at, uh, at gmail.com. I always mess it up, so it's higherconnectionsnow 
As I say, thank you so much for both being so open and, and sharing your story. It's been really insightful. And uh, before we oh, close, you're very episode, welcome. <laughs> before we close the episode, uh, do you have any sort of final words of wisdom to share? Yeah. Look, I mean, again, I'm not an author. I think we did our best to kind of summarize our experiences and the benefits of those. Uh, as I've said multiple times, it may not be for anyone, and we understand that. But you know, we, we want to try to give people um, hope <laughs> that, you know, if they want to try cannabis and they're open to it, there may be some good benefits for them. And, and you know, to not necessarily be scared of it um, and and see where it kind of takes you. And, you know, I hope that people uh, try it. And if they do, we'd love to hear from them. And we'd love to kind of hear what their experiences are with their relationships, whether it's uh, a wife or a husband, a, a mom, a dad, a son, whatever. Uh, I think there's a lot more about cannabis that needs to be explored and researched. And again, hopefully someday it's fully legal and everyone can experience it. But until that day, uh, just share our experiences and hope for the best. Absolutely. So thank you again. It's been wonderful to have a conversation with both you, Eric, and you, Alexandra. Thank you so much for being wonderful, open and vulnerable guests today. Thank you for your time. True love starts with opening our hearts. And until next time, goodbye for now. Thanks for listening to the Hearts Entwined podcast. You can follow Lynn via the Facebook group, Two Hearts Entwined, or search Lynn Smith, inspirational speaker at LinkedIn, or email lynn at hearts-entwined.com. That's L-Y-N at hearts-entwined.com. Remember, true love starts with opening our hearts.